Today, I want to talk about dreams. I have this idea, developing a dream. See, here's the beautiful thing about God. God's going to make sure you have dreams in your life because he's going to dream some dreams for you. Jeremiah tells us that God has a plan. He has dreams. He has hopes and big dreams for your life. That's wonderful. You don't have all the pressure of trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life. You just walk with God and it'll happen, okay? God puts dreams in your life. But Joel, the prophet, told us that in the last days, these days, God would pour out visions on us and dreams. And here's the thing about dreams. From the time that you receive a dream in your heart and a vision of something you want to see, a career dream or a relationship dream or a family dream or a ministry dream, from the time you get that image in your head until the time that image is lived out in real life, there's a gap. Everybody say gap. That's the tough part is what to do during that gap. And the best way I thought to illustrate that gap is I'm going to show you something that many of you have no idea what this is. For, for some of you, this could have come from another planet, but if you do know what this is, you're old enough to like TV land, okay? Uh, so this is uh, film. This is camera film. And back in the day, if you wanted a picture of something, like a selfie or whatever, first of all, if you did a selfie, you just had to guess that it came out right, okay? Because you couldn't see yourself when you took it. But if you want to take a picture of something, you would use this, put this film in a camera and it would record it on this film. And then you would take that to somebody or a drugstore and you would wait about a week to get your picture. And they would take this and put it in a dark room because if you did this right here with this light on it, it's ruined, right? You, you, all you old people know that, right? So it'd be ruined. But you would put it in a dark room and under you know, red lights or dark lights, they would wet it in water and they would cut it up in smaller pieces and they would hang it up to dry. Now, some of you are thinking, what century is he from? No, this happened not too many years ago, right? And that's still how they develop real, real, real pictures to this day. Um, and, and here's the thing about God, God's work. I think God works a lot like this, actually. You get an image in your head, a picture of what you think God's leading you to or what you want to see in your life. You start praying for it and God puts you in a dark room and he starts the process, the long, slow process of development. Our problem is we want it done like it's done on the iPhone, right? We want to take a picture right now and show it to the whole world in seconds. But God still works with the slow process of developing our dreams. And it doesn't happen as quickly as we want it to. Most of us want to dream on Sunday morning. We want to see it in bright lights on Monday. Can I hear an amen to that? But you have to become what you're supposed to become before you can do what you're supposed to do. Think about that for you, yourself. You have to become what you're supposed to become before you can do what you're supposed to do. And God lets that delay, that gap happen for you to become. He knows that the, the weight of that dream being fulfilled, that goal, those accomplishments, that platform that you're going to have when he elevates you to that place, he knows there's a weight, there's pressure to that dream. And he knows it takes time to develop you to that place. And it's never been more clear than in the story I want to show you today. It starts in Genesis chapter 37. It's the story of a guy named Joseph who has this amazing dream of being a great leader who's going to be used by God for great things. And he starts out by telling his 11 older brothers, Hey, I've got this dream. I think God gave me, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to rule over all of you, and you're going to bow down before me. And the Bible says that that went over like a lead balloon. 
All right. It says that they hated him for his dream. And so he was a real smart guy. So he said, let me tell you the rest of the dream. Mom and dad are also going to bow before me. And the sun and the moon and the stars are all going to bow down before me. And so they hated him so badly, they put him through a, a series of tests. Actually, God puts us all through a series of tests. What I want to share, you today, share with you today is the four steps to developing your dream. I hope and pray you're not just going through life. You're not just existing. I hope and pray that you expect 2022 to be the best year you've ever had. I don't know what the world's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen in other people's lives. I expect God to develop me. I expect God to make me a better version of me. I like to tell people all the time, if you don't like me, hang around. I'm going to get better. I am committed to being a better version of myself next year next week even, if I can. And so I hope you've got the same aspirations, that God's taking you somewhere, that you're becoming something, that he's doing something great in your life. Those dreams are going to take time. Can I hear an amen? It's going to take time, and there's going to be some steps you have to take. Pull your notes out. I want you to fill in the blank. Here's what's going to happen to develop your dreams. Number one step is always rejection. Not everybody's going to love your dream. Not everybody's going to be down with it, and you will, during the the development of that dream and after that dream is developed, you will face some rejection. Here's the way it happened for Joseph. Joseph went out after his brothers, and he found them near Dothan, Alabama. This happened in Alabama. (laughs) But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Now, that seems a little bit extreme for a brother, right? Uh, But dreams are scary things for people. Um, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, a big deep well, a pit, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Here's the fact. Not everybody can handle your dreams. The things you think God wants to do in your life, the things you're praying for, the things you tell other people you're going after, some people are going to be jealous of that because jealousy is the oldest and truest emotion. It, it predates Adam and Eve. You know that? I mean, Ad, before Adam and Eve, we know that uh, Lucifer, <clears throat> the prince archangel, was cast out of heaven because of his jealousy, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to take over the throne of God. And jealousy is still alive right now. And here's a fact, right in your face kind of fact. If you can't handle rejection, you can't handle a God-sized dream. Because God's building you, man. When God does something in you, God doesn't do small things. He doesn't do little things. He does big things. You're expecting or hoping or praying for this. God's planning for that, right? And so there's going to come some harsh rejection. And the last time I checked, we're not living for the approval of man anyways. We're living for the approval of God. I mean, there were people who had God's approval, but never had the approval of man. People like Elijah and Peter and Moses and this little known guy named Jesus, right? The scripture actually says he's become the chief cornerstone that we build our whole life on, but the builders rejected him, meaning all the religious people said he's nothing. He's nobody. So if you've been rejected, you're in good company. You know, a lot of great Christian leaders that I know have been rejected or would be rejected by uh, sort of the traditional Christian leadership model. I was thinking about some people I know. I know of a great Christian leader whose father was married and divorced five times. Some people would say she's not worthy of leadership coming out of a family like that. I know of a great leader whose father defrauded the people all over the community where he ministers. 
I know of a lady who once had an abortion and now she leads ministry. A leader who was abused by his parents and it still bothers him to this day, but he still ministers. I know of a leader who's been in half the county jails in North Alabama and he steps up to preach the gospel. I know of a man who spent half of his life in a federal penitentiary and he's in Christian leadership today. I know of a great leader who caught a DUI in his delivery truck on the job. And he's in leadership to this day. I know of a great church leader who has several homosexuals in his immediate family. And he's in leadership. In fact, let me tell you what some of you have already figured out. They are all in leadership in this church. And I'm proud to say when God puts a dream inside of you, he doesn't take a poll and take a vote on whether or not anybody thinks you ought to be used by God. If there's something God's doing in your heart, you just step up and say, hey, God, here I am. I want to do something. And you'll find out God doesn't care what the other people think either. God wants to use you because of what he thinks is inside of you. Hey, you might be that next great leader. Maybe I'm talking to a 12-year-old right now. God's already stirring in your heart. You want to be a pastor, but this happened to you or that happened or your mom was this way. Maybe I'm talking to a 25-year-old and you're thinking maybe this ministry, ministry path or, or a leadership path or, or leading my school might be a different uh, direction than what I've had, but I had this go wrong or I did this wrong thing. Let me tell you, the minute you say because of this thing that happened to me or this thing that I did, then now God can't use me. What you're saying is they are bigger than he, but he's always going to be bigger than they. And he's always going to be bigger than what they say. Can I hear amen to, amen to that? What he says is bigger than what they say. And so what you need to do is adopt the attitude of the apostle Paul who said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying <clears throat> to please people? See, Paul used to please people, but he said, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Man, that needs to be your attitude. Man, I'm not trying to make everybody happy. I'm trying to lead people toward Christ. I'm trying to do what God's put in my heart. And here's the thing you need to remember, this little, little re reminder phrase. You're not approved based on your worth. You're approved based on your birth. You were born again doesn't matter what other people think you're worth. doesn't matter what your net worth is. doesn't matter what people see in you. It's a matter that, that you've been born again in the spirit of Jesus, that you have given him your life and nothing else matters. Now, the beautiful thing about Joseph and the reason he passed the rejection test is that when he got rejected, he stayed humble and sweet and, and, and he, was, uh, he, he loved people and he kept serving. I'm going to be honest with you, of the four tests, that, that I'm going to show you today, this first test has been my biggest struggle in my life. Trying to pursue my dreams, trying to be who God wants me to be. When I get rejected, I get defensive and I'm working on that. I'm, I'm better than I used to be. But the problem is sarcasm is my spiritual gift. And so if you bring it at me, I mean, before I got time to get holy, I've got a response. And it's usually really funny. I say, God, why would you give me these gifts if you don't want me to use them? No, it's, it's it, you know, it's a problem, you know, when you can't deal humbly with rejection. I remember one time this, this preacher cornered me, uh, you know, early on in our church, people, preachers and religious leaders talked a lot of ugly about our church. They probably still do. I just don't listen anymore. But, um, this one guy cornered me up and he was talking, he'd, he'd been talking a lot of nasty, negative stuff about me personally. And he's, this is a failure of mine. I'm going to tell you this story, but he was complaining about how some of his church members had left his church and come to my church, to come to Daystar. And 
I should have been compassionate about that because that's not a cool thing. We don't like that. And pastors don't like that when that goes down. Uh, but I knew he'd been talking so ugly about me and he's acting all holy now. And my, my little sarcasm gift was rising to the top. And I said, well, you know, you're a pastor and I'm a pastor. We're shepherds and you've got a sheep field and I got a sheep field. And here's what happened, pastor. Some of the scrawny, uh, starving sheep in your field slid through the gates, you know, and they've come over here and they got so fat, they can't fat, fit back through the gate. That is not of God. That's sinful. And I confess it before the people of God right now. And actually, that's the kind of thing I later learned that God says, oh, I've got an image of where you're going, Jerry, but I'm, I'm very clear now that you need to go back in the dark room. See, that's what we're trying to get to, right? We want God to take this image that he's planted on us Take us out of the dark room and fulfill it, man. Whatever that is, ministry, career, family, finance, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you want to make sure it's God's will and you want to see him do it this way and put it out there for the whole world to see. But here's the problem. We keep failing these tests and he keeps saying, yeah, you got to go back in the dark room. And Joseph did such a great job overcoming rejection. He stays humble. He keeps serving. So they throw him in a pit. They sell him to slave traders. He's bought by a man named Potiphar. And he just goes to work as a slave, serving that man like he was his father. And you see, everything Joseph touched turned to gold because you can't hide the favor of God. That's one thing you need to remember, man, even if you're not where you want to be, even if things aren't turning out the way you want them to turn out, you work at it like you've got millions on the line. Work at it like it's the most important opportunity of your life. Because listen to me, the opportunity you're looking at today is the most important opportunity of your life. Work at it because God will bless it wherever it is and you can't hide the favor of God. So he does such great work that the Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. <coughs> Potiphar retires. I mean, he just goes to eating and playing golf. That's all he does now. And he lets Joseph be in charge of everything. And that's when we read about the very first desperate housewife. His wife goes to chasing after Joseph. And that's the second temptation, the second test is the test of temptation to developing your dreams. There will always be some kind of a temptation to keep you out of the will and purpose of God. Here's how it went down for Joseph in chapter 37. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. That was his new job. I'm just going to eat now. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome like Pastor Ori here. Big problem for some of you guys. Um, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Then how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Now there's a line here. This last part, this last sentence is something after reading the story, preaching it many times, I never really noticed the value of this line. He said, how could I sin against who? God. He, he didn't say, how could I take advantage of this woman? Even though that would have been a sin, a sin against her, even though she was initiating, it's still a sin against her. He didn't say, how could I sin against the man who I'm working for? Even though that would be a sin against him. Can you see that Joseph recognized that he was not trying to be righteous for man, but for God? He says, this sin is against God. And that's the key to overcoming your temptation. That's the key to 
fighting through rough seasons in, in your journey is he realized even though he was in a pit, he was a slave, he was mistreated, and he was in a rough season of his life, he knew I am still working for God. My righteousness is not for man, it's for God. He still recognizes that there's nothing more important than doing what's right for God. And so when she grabbed his coat to pull him to bed, he left his coat. He did this move, right? <laughs> you know, he left his coat in her hands and he got out of the room and said, you can have my coat, but you can't have my calling. Guys, sometimes the cost of your calling is the temptation you're facing today. Joseph's test was a test of seduction. But he saw it as a test of loyalty to God. That's how you have to see your life. If you're struggling with temptation, understand it's not about that thing. It's about where God wants to take you. Satan is trying to get you to trade God's destiny for that moment you're looking at. Maybe you've sinned. What you need to do, confess that sin today, right now. Walk away from it. Maybe you're in a habitual cycle of that sin. Walk away from that sin today and realize you've been trading God's destiny for that sin. Well, I thought God was loving. He is absolutely, but he's developing you for something bigger than yourself, right? People think God's always punishing and he's shooting lightning bolts. No, no, no. But he knows your sin is your own punishment. You, you punish yourself with sin right? God doesn't call it sin because he wants to punish you. He calls it sin because it punishes you and me. And so he recognized, I got to find my way out of this place. And he runs out the door. Let me tell you, here's a promise for you. No matter what you're facing, every temptation is the same. The Bible says, no temptation. Shout it with me. Those first two words, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except those that are common to man. Say it with me, church, but God is faithful. Say it every voice. Say it with me. But God is faithful. You can trust God to do this for you. He'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, we'll also make a way of what? There's a way out that you may be able to bear that temptation. Every single time you're tempted, there is a way out. In my life, most of my temptations are really, really simple. I'm going to show you most of the reasons for my whole life, most of my temptation, I can show you how I could overcome it right here. You ready for this? Three, two, one. If my mom were here, she would say amen. Like that really... That's all it takes. I mean, I'm not, it's not that I'm never tempted any other way, but 99% of my temptation, this thing right here, just shut your pie hole, Jerry. <laughs> Most of my, te- there's always a way out. I don't know what your temptation is. And hopefully as you're growing in Christ, you recognize it, but there's always a way out. And when you overcome that temptation, you're trading <coughs> that temptation for your destiny which is so much greater and so much better than whatever Satan is trying to show you. So he, he runs away from the Potiphar. She doesn't handle rejection well, so she lies to everyone, accuses him of rape, and Joseph's thrown into prison for his trouble. And that leads me to his third test that you will all, you'll maybe never be thrown in prison, hopefully, but you'll face this test, the test of isolation. He's isolated. He's thrown away from everybody else. He's supposed to be a great leader. He's supposed to rise in leadership. And ever since God gave him his vision, everything's gone farther and farther away from the vision he had. He took a picture of what he thought it was going to be in his mind. And he's expecting it to develop. Here's his problem. 
He's on the bottom rung of a 12-step ladder. He's the bottom son. And he thinks God's going to elevate him to higher places. He has a vision for it. But the first thing that happens is from the bottom lung of the family, he's thrown out of the family. From being out of the family, he's made a slave. From being a slave, he's lied on and thrown into prison. Things just get lower and lower and lower for him because what God is doing is he's putting him away in the dark to develop him. And God does his best work when we are in isolation. Never forget that. God doesn't develop you when you're on the stage. He doesn't develop you when you're in the leadership position. He doesn't develop you when everything's going your way. He develops you when nobody else sees it. I've been thinking about that this week. I thought about my own life, my own dream to have a great church like Daystar and about how it started, you know, when when the name Daystar was rattling around in my head. I was a pastor of a little church, a little country church, not unlike hundreds more all over Alabama. Little small A-frame building, kind of smelled in there like old churches do, you know, moldy smell. It leaked in the basement. And I'm just walking that one center aisle. It only had one aisle. And I'm praying. And I and I, I brought this with me. I'm this is a journal. This journal's 20 years old. It's got just things that God said to me. My daily reading, my quiet time little tabs where I thought this is going to make an amazing sermon. I'd put a tab on there. I'd go back to it and write that sermon. All the untaken away tabs are sermons I never got to preach. I'll never get enough said. You know, if you're a preacher, you'll never get it all said. But the, I thought back this, this week, that's, that's when God was working on me. God's not working on me right here. It's not God working on me. There's too many people that think I'm doing a good job for me to get any correction from the Lord right here. You know, keep telling me, I appreciate it, I need it. Pastors are approval fanatics. I'll just go ahead and confess, we all have to be told we did a good job. But that's not where you grow. You grow in isolation. Nobody sees you. Nobody knows you. I had a cell phone. Nobody called it. I kind of hide my number now. (laughs) Back then, I was like, somebody call. You need prayer? Have Bible, we'll travel. You know, somebody. (laughs) Nobody called. I didn't know if it was going to work out. I didn't know what Daystar was going to look like, you know. That's where God does his best work on you. Some of you are in a place like that. Like you're looking for something better. You're expecting something great to happen. And you don't see anything that looks like your dream. Man, it looked like this for me. I keep showing you this piece of film. But man, I had a picture in my mind. It didn't look anything like what I was looking at. And don't throw this away because you're like, well, I'm, I'm the farthest thing in the world from being a preacher. I'm just sharing my story. Your story is going to be different, of course, in the details. But God, how many know God is the same? It doesn't matter what your dream is or what your destiny is. God birthed it in you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he told Jeremiah, I knew you. And I set out a destiny before you. I knew what you were going to do. And he had the same for Joseph. He had a destiny for Joseph to be a great leader. And so little by little by little, Joseph had to learn to grow in dark places. Because here's a fact. Don't forget this. This is a little little easy remembered statement. If the light on you is greater than the light in you, it'll destroy you. Don't we see that all the time? Famous people all the time. And they say, well, the money corrupted him. You know, the fame corrupted her. It was power that corrupted them. It wasn't. 
Fame, money, power, glory, popularity doesn't do any of those things. It reveals what's deep inside of you. You see, when you're in the dark, you can't see it, but God can. Right? You can't see it. If you're in the dark, you get up and you get yourself dressed in the dark and the power's off and you had to get dressed by candlelight, you get to work and the lights come on and you notice your hair sticking up in the back, right? You got a booger in your nose, right? You can see all that nastiness. But when the light comes on, you can see it. That's what happens when people are elevated to places that they're not ready for. It wasn't that the place made them anything impure or unholy. It was that bright light on them was greater than the light inside of them. And when you're in isolation, God does his work inside. He heals and cleans up things about you. He shows you things. And man, if you're there right now, man, it's a painful place. It's a place where you think you're supposed to rise up and do something great. And day after day, you keep seeing something that's wrong with you. And and if you're not careful, you'll think those things are just the reason you're in isolation. Those things are the reason you're in the dark. Hear me well. That's not why you're in the dark. That's not why God, you're in the dark because God does his best work in the dark. You're in the dark because God has bright plans for you. He's going to put you in that dark place of isolation and he's going to show you this and that. He's going to remove some places. You're going to go through some battles precisely, not because you belong in the dark, but precisely because you belong in a better place. And he's getting you ready to carry the burden of that new platform, the burden of those eyes on you, the burden of that leadership. Let me tell you, you think, well, I don't want to lead anybody. I just want to have that promotion. I just want to have more money. I just want to have a better family. Some of you are like Charles Barkley. Remember when he was kind of acting sort of crazy in the public eye and people asked him about being a role model and he said, I am nobody's role model. See, he was wrong in that. He may not have wanted to be anybody's role model, but when you rise up in leadership, Whether you ask for it or not, somebody's going to follow you. And God knows that about you, about your dreams, about what God's placed inside your heart. And as he elevates you, more of a weight of pressure gets on you. So you're in the dark for a season and you're in the dark for a reason. Don't hate it. Don't despise it. What it means is he's about to bring you out. Somebody say amen to that. He's about to elevate you. He's about to show you what he had in mind for you through all of that season of darkness. And that's what he did with Joseph. Joseph made a pact with all his friends in prison. Remember, after all the stuff he'd been through, he stayed humble and kind and sweet and gracious. And and he kept loving on people. And so when he... When, when he made a, 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 a group of friends, they all decided that whoever gets out first, we're going to try to get the other guys out. Well, some of Joseph's friends got out of prison and they forgot him. So Joseph goes back to rejection. He's again rejected. Uh, he's again tempted to give up on his dreams, to become bitter. He's again isolated because he's alone now in prison. But Joseph stays humble and his time comes because one of those people who comes out of prison is close to the palace when the king, the Pharaoh, has a disturbing dream and he searches all through the palace to find someone who can interpret his dream. Well, one of Joseph's great He's a dreamer. And one of his great gifts is the ability to interpret dreams. And they tell about Joseph. And so in a moment, they get a, they, 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 they dispatch someone to the prison to get Joseph out of prison and shave him, clean him up, you know, put him on fresh clothes. He's going to go meet the king. And y'all in one day after going from here to here, to here, to here in one day, he goes from the prison to the palace in one day. And that's something I want you to remember. God has a fast forward button for your life. 
You might be going in slow motion or you feel like you've paused or nothing has happened for month after month or year after year. And then in a moment, everything can change. I need somebody to believe that in 2022, God's going to hit the fast forward button for you. I need somebody to believe he's going to do it for me. I'm expecting. Are you? Something's going to change. And so he comes right before the king. And man, because he stayed humble, because he didn't uh, get bitter, because he didn't uh, give up into temptation, man, he's the pure person that God's been working on. And there's a light inside of him. And he boldly tells the king what his dreams are before the king said a word. He said, here's what the dream is. Here's what the dream means. And here's what the response should be. And the anointing of God on his mouth, the anointing of God, the favor of God on his life shines on that great leader and the words of Solomon are true that your gifts inside of you will bring you before great people. You got to believe that. I can't tell you how many years I had to wait and wonder. Y'all, I came from the smallest church in the smallest town. I, I, you know, there were several preachers that came out of my church and all of them were better preachers than me. Nobody thought I was going to make it. Okay. I felt like that little guy, but when your moment comes, if you're humble, if you're determined, if you've kept yourself from sin, the light of God that's in you will shine on people around you and it will change them. And so that king who is over the whole, he's like the one king over the one known superpower. He says, you're going to be in charge of the whole nation. He goes from underneath the jail into the palace in one moment. Y'all, God pressed the fast forward button for that boy. He can do the same for you whole world is starving. But because of Joseph's insight and God's anointing over his life, they've saved grain and they've saved thousands of people. And finally, Joseph's family, his brothers come before him. And when they find out what's happened to Joseph, they are sure Joseph's about to kill him. Here's how that all went down. Here's how the story ends. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they'd done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that who sent him, church? God sent. He he knew. He knew. He didn't get tied up with what the boss was doing. He didn't get tied up with what his family was doing. See, that's our problem, y'all. Can I just be honest with you? You're upset about what this person's done and that person said, Joseph, the way you get out of the pit, Joseph said, no, God sent me ahead of you. And he said, for two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing or reaping. But who sent him? You see, he's just, man, after years and years, 12 years of going down, 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 he keeps focused on the fact that God sent him ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your life. You wanted to kill me. Not only am I not going to kill you, but I was sent through your bad behavior. God sent me to save your life through a great deliverance. And his, his famous and final words about the subject was, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. How many of you would make the decision right now that the worst thing going on in your life, God has intentions for good through that? Oh, I know how that may sound to somebody. I know you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm not some preacher that just had a rough start, Jerry. You're talking about I lost this person or this has happened to me or somebody was unfaithful. Yeah, but God is still God. Can I tell you humbly? Can I tell you in love? God's still God. He still has a plan and he still intends it for good. 
And, and the most difficult test for most of us was seemingly the easiest one for Joseph. The last test is the focus test. Did you see how he kept saying, God brought me here. God sent me here. God meant it for good. Can you go through all of this stuff of re being rejected by the people you thought would support you by being tempted in the most difficult ways and sometimes failing to that temptation, by being isolated when people ought to come around you and love you and encourage you and they leave you alone? Can you go through all of that and stay focused on the purpose of God that, hey, God's got me here. God's doing something. Can I tell you something, church? In 2022, God's with you. He's got you. He's taking you somewhere that you could never go by yourself. You'll never get there without him. And like Joseph said, listen to what he said. It was to save lives. It was for you. Like Joseph said, the plan of God is about people. If you can somehow realize it's not about you, that's what I'm, I'm learning more and more is that it's not, it never was about me. Why did I need to lash out at an angry preacher? That preacher was angry because he thought his church was about him. I lashed out in anger back to him because I thought my church was about me. And what Joseph knew that we need to know is it's not about me. It's about people, God's people. If you can somehow adjust your dream, your vision, your plan to focus on people, how can I serve people? How can I love people? How can I draw people in? I'm going to tell you, you will become a partner with God. You want your business to succeed in a difficult environment? Make God your partner. Better yet, make God your owner. Can I hear an amen to that? You be his employee. Let God be your partner in every plan you have, and God will make his plans succeed. Can I hear an amen to that?